You're listening to 90% Mental, Conversations with Grant Parr, Episode 84. Today, mental performance coach Grant Parr sits down with James Gallagher, mindfulness trainer for Search Inside Yourself Leadership Institute, to talk about the importance of mindfulness training and how to adopt best practices that will allow you to live in the here and now. James shares his life lessons that led him to this incredible way of living and his journey to educate and train others in the power of aligning purpose, mindfulness, and breath. Hey, James, how are you? I'm doing well this morning, Grant. Thank you. Awesome. Well, Great I'm really to be on the show. Absolutely. And I'm excited to have you on my show. We're going to talk about something that I love to talk about and also teach my clients is mindfulness and emotional intelligence. And we're going to talk a little bit about how you teach that, but also learn a little bit more about your company, Search Inside Yourself Leadership Institute. That sounds great. Thank you. All right. Well, before we get into mindfulness and emotional intelligence, uh, I always talk about mental toughness before we, we get into anything. So... I love asking this question, and the question is, what does mentally tough mean to you? I answer that question kind of in combining both mental toughness and emotional toughness. I think um, you really can't separate the two, and in a sense, you need that kind of emotional stability, that calm, that clarity, uh, really as the enabler for the, for the mental toughness. So the mental toughness would be the ability to, to make sound, logical, thoughtful decisions in the moment as just the, the inundation of content and triggering that comes at us throughout life, kind of moment by moment. You know what I love is like, I've asked this question, I, this is probably my one like 75th episode, and no one has brought up emotional toughness. And it totally makes sense because when you think about mental toughness when you're dealing with something chaotic or stressful it's your emotions are involved and and if you don't control them along with your thoughts um you can get out of control real quick so i think it's really interesting that you brought in the emotional toughness well i agree deeply and part of that is my own my own learning where i don't think um 10 years ago, I would have responded by bringing in the emotional component. I think that's just part of our culture, certainly part of my upbringing, if not conditioning, which is to think emotions are something that occur somewhere else. Uh, they, they shouldn't show up in the professional environment. They, they shouldn't show up in the athletic environment. But the reality is they are there um, in every moment. And I'm my learning has really been to kind of flip that paradigm and rather than kind of push away or suppress the emotions, really lean in and tune into them. Because uh, in a very real sense, they are providing data that can inform the, the, the more traditional mental toughness that we're kind of circling around here. Absolutely. A hundred percent. You know, and when we when we think about mindfulness, I know it's essentially it's a part of our everyday language now, and it appears at times, at least from my perspective, that mindfulness can be all sorts of things. So when you think of mindfulness in its simplest form, what would be your definition of mindfulness? Mm. Well, certainly initially, my my mind 
goes to the, the definition provided by, by John Kabat-Zinn. Um, I think it's simple and sound. Uh, I'll paraphrase it a bit, but it's essentially kind of connecting in to the present moment, to what is, what's, what's literally here, and connecting into that in a way um, that's not judgmental, not wanting the present moment to be anything other than what it actually is, um, and just experiencing that moment and using it to inform the next. I love it. I love it. Now, when we hear about mindfulness a lot, that you know, it's meditation, it's breathing, it's intention. There's like all the, and there's there's other things as well. And I think it's great. But it, it, to me, it feels like um, depending on what kind of lens you're looking at, like there could just be a different view or perspective of what mindfulness is. Indeed. And as you mentioned meditation, I, I often, at least in my context, I distinguish meditation from mindfulness. And the, the easiest way that I found to do so is actually to connect into sports metaphors. Mm. So the meditation, in a sense, uh, just to use a few here, are the bicep curls in the gym. And the mindfulness is applying that built strength into whatever sport you're involved in. Or the meditation is swinging the bat with the donut on, on the bat in the on-deck circle. Mm. And then the mindfulness is when you're at the plate. And you know we can kind of do this forever. The meditation is the 100 shots at the driving range. And the mindfulness shows up um, when you're at the tee or about to uh, approach a putt. So I, I think that distinction of the kind of dedicated work of the meditation and then the applied or the integrated work of the mindfulness is, is important as folks kind of just begin to build these foundational concepts. And I love that. I love that, that, that imagery. I mean, it's, it's like meditation is like, uh, it's a warm up. It's a, it's practice, practice swings. Um, before you actually get engaged and execute mindfulness strategies. I, I like that very much. When you um, think about your kind of your journey with this practice with mindfulness and emotional intelligence, when did you start really focusing on mindfulness and really engaging and learning more about emotional intelligence? Yeah, indeed. So in, in the broadest sense, and I think this is for everyone, um, it's kind, it was kind of always there, right? Always this feeling of, I have these thoughts. I, I almost have this ongoing conversation with myself, whether when I'm alone or if I'm in social or professional context, but I, I didn't have language for it or, or certainly not like a broader framework like mindfulness. Um, but most specifically, I actually can begin to identify the point in my life where I really decided I need to get a little bit better handle on this voice in my head. And um, the story I often share is about six or seven years ago, um, I had this kind of perfect storm of events in, in my life, uh, in my adulthood, which was I had just been promoted, had a role as a director, now formally managing other adults. Um, so to say it simply, I was a boss. I was now someone's boss in a formal way. Um, and in a way that the way I've shown up professionally prior to that, very relational and collaborative, um, it was this experience of what had gotten me there will get me to the next step. And um, I was learning some difficult 
lessons and realizing uh, the folks I was managing wanted and deserved more. Um, I'm probably not alone that even the folks I was managing were as qualified, if not more than me. And that just kind of happens in life in the way folks get roles. Right. And then the other piece was I had two children under three years old at the exact same time. And I remember uh, quite vividly Christmas Eve, I was with my, my daughter kind of just playing and engaged. And I did have this kind of meta thought. Um, and it was that I was with her physically, but I was not with her. Like I was able to see that my mind, although it was Christmas Eve, was on the email I wanted to send him so that he had my back when we go into this meeting so I can present in this way. And it was just seeing this rumination that I was caught up in. Mm. And it, it, it was really as profound as that kind of pivotal moment to, to then say to myself, largely focused on my children and my family, that these are precious moments. And I don't want to go through them on autopilot, distracted by other things. I, I want to be more present to be a better dad, to be a better husband, to be a better leader, manager. And then the next step really was, um, I consider myself an educator, a learner. I just dove into leadership books and I kept seeing mindfulness and meditation come up. And I have to admit, I had these biases. Well, that, that's not for me. That's, that's this kind of stuff for um, new age. But more and more people I respected, I would learn that they would have this practice. Mm -hmm. So I just jumped full in. Um, I found a, a community. I developed my own practice. Um, I ended up going now for about four years to a, a Sunday meditation meeting um, here in, in the Bay Area. And it has informed truly every aspect of my life. You know, this resonates with me because there's so many times in my life, in my in my professional career, in the workplace, also as an athlete, where, you know, I found myself, I'm there, my body's there, but I'm not connected to the environment, I'm not connected to the energy at all. And and so I'm, I'm there, but I'm kind of checked out. And it's really cool to, to to hear your story because over the time that I've learned a lot about myself and I've and I've been doing a lot of mental performance work, there are there are a few things that have really strengthened strengthened that, that relationship of being in the here and now. And one of the techniques that I teach is is the win mindset. What's important now? So if I can get into my breath, no matter what the situation is, but I can get my breath and ask that question, and no matter what the result is, but I, I'm I'm choosing uh, to focus on it, then I feel like I'm winning. And there's a thing that I do as well with myself and other teams when I work with them. I always have, I always throw the question up of what time is it? And sometimes I have to ask myself that too. What time is it? You know what time it is? It's now. And so when I can get into that, that, that cue and get into that mindset, I can really connect my, my, my energy with my body in the environment that I'm in. Mm, that that's powerful and that the connection for me is certainly in sports and athletics there's so much preparation and practice yet the reality is when we get into the game or get into the moment you can't access it all you can't access those hours and years of practice um you'll just get hung up on it right trying to remember this aspect this technique but really having the trust in yourself that that preparation is there 
But what's most needed now is to fall into that moment and to, into the what time is it example that you give. And, and that resonates for me, whether it's giving a presentation or sitting in a coaching meeting or just being with my family. Um, let go of the preparation and be present in the moment. Absolutely. Totally. Absolutely. So let's, let's talk about your company, um, which is in a awesome company and the company is called inside yourself leadership institute what motivated you to create this company and why do you feel that that there's a need for this type of training for mindfulness and emotional intelligence training indeed and and allow me please first grant make a, a slight distinction so the the search inside yourself leadership institute that is a a separate nonprofit mm. um that i'm going to sh- share how that was formed i'm I've been trained by that nonprofit. So it's not my company. Um, That organization um, partners with other corporations and nonprofits to offer this training. They host public programs. And the third thing they do is train teachers to facilitate the workshop. And that's what I've uh, gone through. Once trained, and now that I'm certified, I'm able to offer this content um, to anyone, really. the, the interesting aspect of this Search Inside Yourself Leadership Institute is that it was born at Google. So um, began as a leadership development program within Google, but had so much success that seven or eight years ago, um, they decided to spin it out at its own nonprofit and currently has the, the structure that it does today. Um, I have been uh so i used the training initially to bring it into the context of schools which is education is my world um but i'm previously trained as a as an attorney and the reality is the the content the mindfulness the emotional intelligence the related practices they're really just tools for living tools for navigating the human condition so they are applicable to everyone and myself and my co-teacher and I, we're finding that there is an appetite for this learning really across sectors. You know, it makes 100% like sense for teachers because I was when I was thinking about doing some research and thinking about the questions for this for this episode, I was like, man, this this would be really good for teachers. And it's great because that, that's your that was your initial direction, because when you think about a teacher that has to deal with 20, 30, 40 plus kids, um, whether if it is for an hour or for the, for a full day, there is so, there's so many dynamics you have to deal with. And there's so many things that, that, uh, can get you out of being grounded. And I think as a teacher and be leading my example, um, you have to be grounded and you have to be in the here and now. And so I think it's, I think it's awesome that your, that your initial drive was to, to reach out to teachers because, I know for me, when I'm when I'm working with athletes, especially at the high school level, I'm only working with them at most an hour. And there are times where, again, I'm 45 years old. I'm not 17 years old. I don't know what's going through a 16-year-old, 17-year-old's you know, mind and body. And so sometimes I, I have found myself get out of focus, get out of my, 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 my flow because I'm worrying about what they're thinking. And I can see that like with teachers, there's all these different kind of dynamics that they can deal with, but being mindful, learning how to ground yourself, learning how to get into your breath is very important. And there was one time, and I'll share a quick story, 
where I was working with a soccer team and I felt that people were half the team was not really connected and I didn't know what was going on, but I just didn't feel like they were connected and they were talking and they were on their phones and I, I felt this frustration inside me and, and I, and I, I could, my body language, my body language showed it and what it was interesting is, and I, and I know that you can probably empathize on this, but when a class is talking or getting out of control, when the teacher gets really quiet and stops talking, you know, after five, 10 seconds, the class looks at that and they stop, you know, they, they dial back in and they, they know that the teacher's a little upset. Well, that's what I did. And then as I got their attention, I took a really big breath and I got back in, into my, my flow and I asked the, the team, I'm like, did anybody see what I just did? And they said, this one woman raised her hand, yeah, I, I did. You took a deep breath, but it seemed like you were frustrated. I said, absolutely. I go, it's no difference from when you guys are on the field, when you guys are frustrated and you're pissed off. Like, how do you actually refocus and get back into the here and now? It all starts with your breath. And I go, and I'm human. And, and I do this work every day. So yes, I got a little bit frustrated and it's all about me. It's not about you guys. But I had to get back into it, you know, to engage my breath so I can get back into being your mental performance coach. The, the parallels of teacher to coach, obviously, are incredibly close. And the anecdote you just shared reminds me of there is this exciting social emotional learning initiative currently in schools, really across the country, where more and more there's an explicit attention on teaching students how to become more self-aware, how to manage their emotions, certainly not to suppress them, um, but to explore them and, and use them for the insights that they can provide. With that initiative, of course, there are companies that are making programs and curriculum and lessons to bring to the classroom. The work that I'm doing and my co-teacher are doing is really to emphasize the point that just as a coach, for a teacher, the students really are going to learn this content more from what you embody as a human being than really what you're saying. If they see your inability to manage your emotions or that you lack self-awareness, um, that is the lesson that they're going to pick up more so than, than any written lesson or really any lecture that a teacher or a coach um, delivers to them. Right. That's a great, great point. Do you feel, because I feel mindfulness and, and even more so emotional intelligence, because I think you know, for me, at least in the last 10, 15 years, like emotional intelligence is, is becoming a more, there's a more awareness around it, um, especially in the workplace. But do you feel that as a society at the educational level, even in the workplace, do you think that mindfulness training, emotional intelligence, awareness and training. Do you think that we're, where is it where it needs to be right now? Like, have we gotten to that point or is there still, do we still need to move the needle on informing the, the power and the value of mindfulness and emotional intelligence? Well, I would, you know, probably not surprisingly, I think there's still lots of work to be done. Of course, I'm in, inspired and excited. Um, by the current moment we are in the culture, uh, that where there is greater awareness. I, I also want to say that the idea, obviously, of going quiet, going internally, 
cultures and peoples around the world for thousands of years have been doing. Yeah. Right. Right. So, so yes, there is a greater awareness in the West currently, and particularly going back several decades as folks brought these um, practices from the East to the West, there is momentum now. Um, and there's, there's also a risk of, of diluting it and, and um, losing some of the key principles, right? There's a term I'm sure we're both familiar with around mindfulness. Yes. Um, and, and, and the idea of kind of saturation around the work. So absolutely to your question, um, I don't think we're finished. I think there's work to do. I very much think we're at the beginning of this. Um, but we should move cautiously, move with humility, with a, with a lens of inquiry to both kind of honor the, the legacy and lineage of these incredible concepts and wisdoms and practices and apply them for our current context. Um, be that on a macro level kind of nationally or on a micro level down to individualized um, diverse communities across the country. It's interesting you, you bring up Mick Mindfulness because there is a book out and I, I have it, haven't had a chance to read it, but it's it's funny, like you bring up diluting it and, and it can and, and it if I switch gears a little bit to the word mindset, I feel like with mental performance training or mental skills training, to me, I feel like everybody out there now is a mindset coach. And I feel that it, it, that whole the training of it is getting a little bit diluted. But then there's a part of me that's like, you know what? I'm fighting a good fight for awareness. I'm going out there along with everybody else, depending on what their you know what their specialty is within you know mindset training. You know, I've got to honor that because the, I think the more that we're out there pushing it now, I know there's a lot of people monetizing mindfulness, monetizing these trainings, uh, and I hope that they're quality and I hope that there's good intent behind it. But um, so there's been a part of me where I'm like, ah, man, everybody's a mindset coach. Everybody's in mindfulness. But don't we, isn't that what we want? Don't we want that awareness? Indeed. Um, and I, I should make sure that I'm clear to say that there are moments um, where I'm defensive and feel that I don't want to be judged against an overly, um, a purity test. Right. around is the way that I'm engaging in the work and attempting to teach the work, um, you know, crossing someone's threshold where I am guilty of diluting or um, incorrectly engaging folks and teaching around the practices. Absolutely. There's no clear cut binary. Um, there, there shouldn't be any type of clearing house around the, the good and the bad work. Right. I just think it's everyone kind of staying authentic to the power of these practices and the ways that it's had impact on their life and, and sharing that for myself, I add the addition of just constantly learning, which is easy because I truly, I love it. I, there is a deepening and deepening that you can do around this work um, where yes, reading, listening to podcasts, but the nothing substitutes the actual practice, meaning nothing substitutes the time that, that you meditate because that's really at its essence what we are saying. So I think no matter how imperfectly in some eyes where that some of us may be kind of engaging in this work, if we keep that intention around constant self-development through the practice itself, um, we can be comfortable in our journey. Yeah, absolutely. 
you know, and I'm reading a really great book. You might have heard of it. It's called The Slight Edge from Jeff Olson. And he talks about uh, there's just there's so much information out there for us to be great and to hit our goals. But when it comes to training like mindfulness and, and emotional intelligence training and even mental skills training, it's so easy to do and it's so easy not to do. And, and you were talking about being consistent and being committed to it. And I think if we, if we can, if my listeners and everybody that's listening to this, if we can commit to this, um, this, this will give us a slight edge for ourselves. It will give us a slight edge in, in the moments we need it, but we have to be consistent and, and we have to commit to it. Absolutely. It reminds me of something that was uh, an important phase for me in my journey in this work, which is realizing that everyone has different entry points uh, in terms of why they may pick up a book, why may, they may sit quietly and, and meditate or kind of adopt a mindful mindset throughout their life. Maybe for some, it might be science. For some, it might be a talk. For some, it might be a course in college. And that's likely some of the entry points. No one stays doing this work, either meditating or living mindfully, because of these external experiences, mm-hmm. a book or a course. Right. You keep doing it because of the experience and the impact that you and only you can see in your life. That I showed up a little bit better for my team today. Yeah. I showed up a little bit better for my partner or my child or my colleague at work or my boss. And it's those insights that kind of come throughout the deepening of a practice that keep people exploring deeply and uh, looking to apply this more in their life. Um, So that's why, to our previous point, I don't hold a lot of judgment in terms of how folks become engaged or familiar with the work. For me, I'm at a place where I would just say, as many people that can become engaged and it kind of play is the verb I often use yeah. play with this stuff in your life. If through the laboratory of your own mind and life, you see a positive impact, keep learning more, keep doing more. Totally build on it. Right. It's awesome. You know, for me, this is probably going back. Um, I don't know, maybe the last five to 10 years. I've always looked at mindfulness as its own, entity and emotional intelligence as its own entity but when you're since you're doing this training mindfulness and emotional intelligence training how do they connect how do they work together i mean they they to me it makes sense how they blend together but um from your perspective like how do they blend and work together Hmm. that is the key intersection that has really lit me up about this work so i will just briefly say Emotional intelligence, Daniel Goleman's book from the mid 90s, I've been familiar with that 10, 15 years, using it in the professional context as I train um, teacher coaches. You want to be, have self-awareness. You want to manage your emotions. You want to adopt an explicit lens around empathizing to the experience of those around you, and then ultimately use that information to inform your decision-making and how you manage relationships. So conceptually, intellectually, that was there. Experientially, the way I or the folks I was training would like show up in these contexts, that was lacking. Mm. It's similar to the example before of all the preparation as an athlete. It's kind of this metaphor of can they take it from the practice field to the game? Um, And we weren't. I wasn't. 
the mindfulness component, essentially building the emotional intelligence development on a foundation of mindfulness. The idea that to truly cultivate these emotional intelligence competencies requires a daily, or I'll say daily-ish, intentional practice around how can I be more self-aware in this next meeting, in this next moment in the game, in this next interaction with this other human being. That's the mindfulness piece. Um, I didn't get a good sleep. I was triggered by something on the way into work or to school. How can I have that in my awareness and bring intention around, ooh, so I better manage my emotions a little bit more explicitly today. That's the mindfulness piece. You can read it in a book. You can take a class on emotional intelligence. But without that daily focus on building these skills, it just kind of stays up in the, in the brain. Right. Well, what are some, real quick, can you share any kind of um, approaches or techniques that within the training that you provide, can you share with my listeners what that looks like? Absolutely. I mean, it's a foundational piece within, within the program. Everything that we teach is, so we teach the emotional intelligence competencies, self-awareness, self-management, motivation, empathy, and relationship management slash sound decision-making. Each of those five competencies, we teach through a mindfulness practice. Um, so I think one of the, the best is, um, well, I'll just start with self-awareness. And the mindfulness or meditation practice is we first present all this interesting conceptual piece. It's grounded in research around how emotions appear first physiologically, like it's physical sensations in the body. And that we want to make sure, here's the mindfulness piece, that we are attentive to them. So whether it's, I'm stressed, I'm nervous, this is a big game. And you realize that my shoulders are up by my ears. My stomach is doing flips and with butterflies. You want to bring intention to that, which would be the self-awareness piece, so that you can then manage it. And we do this, the practices around connecting into those physical sensations is if you have a longer time, a full body scan, we are literally just kind of bringing your attention from head to toe. Where maybe do I feel some tension? Where maybe do I feel some pain? So that you're aware of maybe an injury or a place that you want to be more sensitive to. You can do that with more dedicated time. If it's in the moment, we really, we teach these this three breaths practice, which is breath one, just find your breath in the way that you shared in that anecdote. Breath two, just kind of physically sense in your body. Anything that's calling out to me, a little bit of pain, a little bit of nerve. Breath three, what's most important right now? Okay, I need to just, I need to focus on this next play. I need to focus on the person in front of me. I need to focus as I step through the threshold of my home and show up for my family um, at the end of the day. That's so awesome. That's like one small example. Each of the, the emotional intelligence competencies we, we go through, we teach a dedicated, longer practice and what we call a micro practice, things you can do more in the moment to build these competencies. To me, just listing just to that, you said that's just one example. I mean, that there's so much power and value in just that. And if you think about this, you know, this is what I want my listeners to do is to, you know, 
to learn a little bit more about your approach and and about search inside yourself because there's so much value and there's a lot of other you know companies doing this as well but the way that you're actually presenting it and the way that um the way that I'm hearing it, it's like wow just if this is just one thing I can only imagine the rest of your your approach and the rest of the curriculum is just powerful I appreciate that and I will say it's a, it is content that builds upon um research neuroscience and practice um and and the wisdom of of cultures and practices from from thousands of years really and it's just been iterated upon for over a decade and it kind of shows uh, in its truest sense it's a two-day workshop um and it is really uh, some best-in-class content beautiful well before we actually close out here when you think about this journey that you've been on this mindfulness emotional intelligence journey what do you think you've learned the most about yourself mm. Mm. i would say the power of living in alignment and by that i mean being able to uh, manifest professionally i guess through a job or um, a living connecting into your most authentic passions. And that's kind of where I find myself quite literally today, Grant, is, um, as I mentioned, I was trained as an attorney. Um, then I spent the last 20 years in, in education um, in various roles. What I'm doing now is applying this content, these practices, where I have a deep personal passion and experience and bringing that um, into my profession as a teacher. And that is truly living the meaningful, purposeful life, which the more and more I go out and, and engage folks and teach this work, I think at, at our essence, that's what we're all looking for, is how can I not have my personal life, my hobbies, and my profession be these isolated, segmented pieces of my life? How can I more align or integrate them so that I can just live as my true self um, in the most alive way. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. I am grateful um, after having gone years and years, of course, with, I should be this, I should have this title, I should make this compensation. And instead just kind of um, living my authentic self and all of that other stuff, as cliched as it sounds, right. it really does take care of itself. It really does take care of itself. And that's why I'm, so energized to kind of engage folks and, and, and teach this stuff to just kind of bring that concept into more people's awareness. That's beautiful, you know, and I, I love the word authentic. I mean, when I think of being authentic, it's to me just being real. And when we're so real and we're in the moment right now, it's just, it's a beautiful place to be. And I love that this work is really just shine through you and lit you up, um, not only as a human, but also to teach it. So uh, it's beautiful to hear that. Now, how can my listeners uh, learn more about Search Inside Yourself Leadership Institute and possibly follow you on social media? Yeah, so um, it's a funny acronym for the Search Inside Yourself Leadership Institute. So silly.org, so S-I-Y-L-I dot org um, will take folks directly to the site for the nonprofit. And then... Um, if you're interested in, we have many, many talented teachers uh, around the world. Um, if you're interested in me, you can, within that site, 
search for James Gallagher. And then um, I'm also on Facebook and LinkedIn, also each easily searchable by under James Gallagher and the Search Inside Yourself Leadership Institute. Beautiful. Well, James, thank you so much. You were so insightful, and it was just awesome to hear your journey uh, within this training and, and what it, mindfulness and emotional intelligence has affected your life. But it's just awesome to hear what you're doing uh, with the public and teachers and, and delivering this this training. So thank you so much for sharing that and sharing your energy. Absolutely. It was a pleasure to be in conversation with you today, Grant. Thanks for the opportunity. You bet. 